Welcome to the Fully Equipped Podcast, where we read through the Bible together and help to answer any questions you might have. Welcome back to the Fully Equipped Podcast. This is Zach. And I'm Travis. And uh, we've had an interesting day so far. It's been a good one. Oh, sorry about that. My chair's a little clunky today. All right, so we're we're back into it. We're uh, seeing Jacob and Esau. We're back back to our our brothers who have been uh, kind of warring against each other so far. Yeah, Seems we, like that may continue. Yeah, we've talked about that uh, this morning. If you didn't catch uh, Sunday morning service, it's on Facebook. It's on our uh, church page, so you're welcome to jump in there and catch up on that. But we. We talked about Jacob and Esau. We, we knew this was coming. Uh, God foretold it, um, that they were going to kind of be at war with one another and that the younger was going to rule over the older one. And through 27 and, and chapters 27 and 28, we, we see that happen and we see Jacob leave. He flees because he's afraid his brother is making plans to kill him as soon as dad is dead. And so he gets out of there and mom uses the excuse that he's, she's going to send him back to um, where they come from, to her brother, so that he can find a wife. Right. And so... And this is after Jacob has not only had his brother steal or sell him his birthright, but he's also tricked dad into giving him the blessing as well. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't, and I guess one thing we want to, or I'd like to highlight here is we talked about it uh, in the sermon. And that was, this all plays out kind of like a soap opera. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of drama going on here and you see everybody taking their own part. So you see dad has a favorite son and mom has a son that she favors and we see a lot of trickery going on, um, whether it be for their own ends or even to help God along with his promises. Right. Uh, we see all of this going on, and we have to back up and realize that this is the family that God has chosen to bless the world through. And we see how dysfunctional they are. And right before, at the end of chapter 28... Um, we see Jacob on his journey to, uh, uh, to go to see Laban, his uncle. We see him stop and have a dream, and we see God take that blessing that we've seen repeated time and time again through Abraham, through Isaac, now through Jacob, and it's done through this, this dream. And the thing we really need to key, on, key in on this is Jacob has done nothing to deserve it. It's not that Jacob's special. It's not that Jacob has earned this privilege or this right or he's just a super righteous guy. Um, it's that the, the, the gift comes from, from God. It's a promise that's made from God. Right. And so it's not that... And the same is true of us today. Sometimes we feel like we need to clean ourselves up or be at a certain point before we can even approach God. And we see God works the other way around. He knows that we can't. Yeah. It's one of those things where uh, the the family that God has chosen to to sire his people, his nation, that, that he's going to uh, fill the earth with and that, that he's going to use as, as a redemption, 
uh, or as, as the people that that are his chosen people, mm-hmm. starts with a family where one brother dresses in goatskins to confuse their father so that he'll give him a blessing. Yeah. No normal, ordinary family does that. No. And so if you think you're messed up, just think, would my family go so far as to wear goatskins to trick my dad to give a blessing? If the answer is no, you're doing pretty good. And that's where, so when we get to the end of 28, we, we see that, um, we, see, we see Jacob even saying, okay, God, if you do all of this for you, then I will do these things. But that's just part of human nature. And we find out that the promise rests on the promisor, not on the promisee. So it's not dependent upon Jacob. It's not depending on us. God has made us a promise. And that promise is not dependent upon us and our goodness. It's it's dependent upon God and his goodness. So we put our faith and trust in in God and not ourselves. We tend to view things. I mean, we live in a world full of contracts. And we tend to live and think like that. And so, you know, in, in today's day and age, Something that would happen frequently is that if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, Mm -hmm. that gives me a reason not to hold up to mine. But God has never worked that way. God is God holds up his end of the bargain in spite of us not holding up our end constantly. It's it's everywhere. And we see that played out. We see that played out through the Old Testament, just time and time again, how they're constantly messing up. They're constantly sinning and rebelling against God and God constantly. Now, that's not to say that there's not consequences for those sins, but God never takes that promise away. If we go out and we sin against God, we will find forgiveness through Jesus. Um, But that doesn't mean there won't be consequences for the for that sin. If I go out and I decide I'm tired of being broke I'm going to go rob a bank. Um, God will forgive me of that. But I may spend a fair amount of time in jail because of it. There there will be consequences for that sin. And we see it with Jacob. I mean, we see when we get into chapter 29, he makes it there to where God has sent him. He meets Laban's family. He meets Rachel, which is his cousin, and falls head over heels for her. Oh, man. Quick, too. It is immediate. Yeah. I know some guys like this. I used to be a guy like this. It's a problem. He should have thought this through. Should have taken a little time, some time to think it over, figure all this out. But he, he does. He immediately falls in love with Rachel mm-hmm. and goes straight to Laban. And it talks about Rachel has a sister, Leah. It says, says now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. What does the NIV say for Leah's eyes? Leah had weak eyes. She had weak eyes. So there's some discussion or, or, or I don't want to say controversy, but there's different ways to interpret that. And so you have some people who say that, well, that was a literal, she just, she didn't have good eyesight. And then you have some people that say, well, she was, her character was was dull in nature that when it says she had weak eyes that Rachel had life in her eyes that she was very um, very vibrant and Leah was kind of a dull person and so either way you go I've read some that say that it's saying that Leah her best feature was her eyes but compared to Rachel they weren't they they were considered weak and so uh, really what it gets down to is that 
Rachel was clearly more appealing in mm-hmm. Jacob's eyes, and he had no eyes for Leah. That's and there you go. That's it. That was the he he really fell for her, and um, you've got a dowry here. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, but it seemed only like days to him because mm-hmm. he was so in love with her. And then he was tricked, and we go well. How could this happen? But that goes back to what we've talked about before is understanding the culture of when it was. So he, he's worked these seven years. Um, he's earned his right to marry her. And then he's tricked at the end of it on the wedding night. And he marries uh, Leah by accident. And that may beg the question, how do you marry somebody by accident? Marriages were very different during this time. Very different. It was, here, go lay down in this dark tent. We'll send your wife in for you. Yeah, so she would have been veiled through the whole ceremony, through the whole thing. She wouldn't have been revealed until after the wedding when it was time to, uh, to what, what was that word? I just, I just heard the, the word consummate whispered from the back of the church. I did too, except I didn't <laughs> hear the word consummate. I heard the word constipate, which is a very different thing. Um, <laughs> really, especially in this <laughs> Especially uh, in this context, setting. yeah. And so, but they go, so it wouldn't have been hard for Laban to stretch out the ceremony. So it was dark. It was night. Wouldn't have been able to see what was going on. And he finds out the next morning when he wakes up that he married the wrong sister. And so what does he do? He works another seven years. Now, Laban tricked him. He uses the excuse of, well, you know, it's our custom that the older get married first. Didn't you know? I thought everybody knew that. Jacob doesn't want to ruin his chances, so he works another seven years, which is amazing to me. You can really see the difference in culture because when you look at our culture today, um, everybody wants everything immediate. Mm-hmm. Like people don't even save themselves for marriage anymore. It's, it's an immediate thing is the way our culture views it. And back then... They were very strict. I mean, this seven years that he's working for her, that they're not having, they're having very limited contact, mm-hmm. very supervised. And so now he's, got to, he's able to marry her. He doesn't have to work another seven years and marry her. He's able to marry her and then work that seven years. Now, this comes back to, as we've read and we've seen, we see that Jacob is not a, I wouldn't say Jacob is what you'd call a stand-up guy. He, he's a pretty sneaky fellow. He's, he's done his fair share of wheeling and dealing and, and twisting things to, to get his way and what he wants. I wouldn't be surprised if Jacob opens up a used camel dealership somewhere. That wouldn't shock me. The thing is, he's met one who's more experienced than him at it. Now, now this goes back to topic we haven't discussed and something I'm going to bring up and something that in certain Christian circles is looked at as bad. But have you ever heard of karma? Yeah, it's the karma in the way that it's talked about in a lot of other places. I don't think is is the right way to describe it because that's the universe paying you back for something that you've done. But the idea that like there are consequences for your actions and you will reap what you sow. Yes. That is very biblical. There you go. And that's what, so we hear a lot of people say, what's well, karma? Well, I think we ought to be careful using that word as Christians because karma is actually from another religion. Um, 
but there are some similarities and and it goes back to what you said it's it's you reap what you sow um, you plant trickery you're going to reap trickery that's right that's right if you're going to lie cheat and steal you're going to be lied to cheated and stole from it you kind of invited upon yourself when that happens and you know i mean i think we can think of all kinds of things you think of of marriage fidelity you know you find somebody that i've seen this happen before where somebody cheats on their wife they get a divorce they they get with the person they cheated with and then they get cheated on and then are shocked by it when when you just step back and you look well why are you shocked um that's kind of a this was something that this person deemed as being at least somewhat okay in their eyes and it really distorts your viewpoint a lot of times Mm -hmm. because if you deal dishonesty toward people that's what you begin to see in everybody is dishonesty you begin to view that as your world lens and you see that going on and so when Jacob comes to this point and he works these these seven years and he's tricked, well, it's kind of you reap what you sow and 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 so it, it's turnabout's fair play. I'll say this: Jacob doesn't really complain once this happens, though. No, he he, he takes it he takes it on the chin and then keeps going. Yeah, because he is head over heels. Now we're gonna we see this play out because you find out how in love he is with Rachel that he's willing to do all of these things. He was tricked into marrying Leah and Leah immediately begins having children mm-hmm. and it causes it causes a rift in the household. Matter of fact, it really turns into a like a sibling rivalry. Like this becomes heated. Yes, I mean they're going to try to outdo each other at every turn. Who's going to have the most kids? Um, to the point where they're giving uh their servants to Jacob mm-hmm. to, to become wives. And then also, there's a point later on where Leah essentially buys a night with Jacob. Yes. And she's married to him. Yes. Yeah. It's such a different culture. And, you know, when you step back just for a moment and kind of look at it, I almost kind of feel bad for Leah. Yeah, a bit. Because you don't know, we don't know backstory. So we don't know if... Leah secretly had a thing for Jacob, and so she was happy that, you know, she was happy about this, or we don't know if she didn't want anything to do with it, but was forced into it because she can't say no. In that culture, you don't say no to your dad. You don't say no to the, to the head of the household because the consequences could be turned out, put away, and you have no, a woman couldn't just go out and get a job then. Matter of fact, that's where a lot of when you read in the Old Testament and you see prostitution and that kind of stuff, that's the only life that a lot of them were able to turn to. Right. It wasn't by it wasn't that's what they always dreamed of or aspired to. It was that they had no other choice and that was the only option left to them to be able to survive. And so we don't know which way it goes, but either way it goes, it's 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 got to be hard on Leah because now she's married and she's in a loveless says, marriage. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. And we see her go through this time and time again, hoping that with each, each male heir that's produced, that... Her husband will begin to love her. Now, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a pause on that for just a minute. Because 
this is a this is something that was going on this long ago and i've known people that'll do that have done this same thing these days where they're so desperate to get someone to love them they will go to extreme lengths mm -hmm. and it rarely ends well and it's not even just getting someone to love them but maybe even like desperate to save a marriage you know, so have another kid and hope that that sticks. Or I've known people who are, they're desperately looking for love. So they'll date people who are horribly bad for them, mm -hmm. who treat them horribly, horribly bad, but they're so desperate to be with someone, they'll take anything. Yeah. Even bad attentions, attention at this uh, that, point. And that's it. And, and that's what it comes down to. And so she's kind of, she's seeking, she's looking for that. For that love and she begins to have kids and then her sister gets upset with oh, her Oh man rachel says my favorite thing in this chap in this in chapter 30 and it's right off the bat we get the best probably my favorite one of my favorite lines in the bible which is give me children or i'll die she is so distraught because she's not having children yet yeah and her sister has had mm -hmm. like three at this point three or four yeah and that goes back to it really shows you, we talk culture a lot, but it's such a different culture. Today, we have different ways to define success and what makes a person successful in our culture. A lot of times it's tied to money or power, uh, but women back in that day, uh, there was no way for them to attain, uh, typically there was no way for them to attain money or power. Um, and their version of success was to produce male children. Mm-hmm. Um, because that ensured that the bloodline went on, that ensured that the family grew. And so if you were a woman who couldn't have a child, uh, it was really looked down upon. People, it was, it was, people almost pitied you, or it looked like you were, you know, there was something wrong. And we see this time and time again, where that's who God uses, is he will take a woman that's barren and they will have a child that does something great. Matter of fact, all the way through, it's, it's all the way through there. You, we see that consistently happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so we see Jacob's response, mm -hmm. which is great. Who am I to take the place of God to be at fault for you not having kids? You know, it, it's, and it's, it's kind of amazing at this moment that Jacob has been so squirrely in the, in the past. And yet he, he, there are things that he understands about God because of, stories that he's heard from his his papa mm -hmm. and his grandpapa he knows how god has worked in their lives and so even though he's been this shady figure and we wouldn't necessarily have we wouldn't consider him necessarily righteous at this point he knows god mm -hmm. he picks up immediately and understands that it's not his fault that they're not having kids and it's not something that rachel's done it's just that god's not allowing it yeah and it says his anger was aroused. And I imagine, too, there's a line that goes, hey, listen, it can't be me. I'm having kids over here. I'm having kids. So don't get mad at me because it's not my fault you're not having kids. And so now one thing that we need to, one thing I think we, we should see from this, too, is through all of this going on, through this, through this battle going on between these sisters and this loveless marriage and all of these kids that are being born, every one of these kids become one of the tribes of Israel. Right. Um, each one of these, this is where the 12 tribes of Israel come from. And as we see these names come out, you're going to see these names throughout because 
all of them are going to be the, the one of the leaders of the tribes of Israel. And we see immediately that it's interesting because Rachel, as she 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 says, "Here's my servant. Uh, sleep with her so that she can bear children for me, and I can too build a family through her." Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of interesting because we see at this point that these are all uh, Jacob's children, all all of the children that he has with Leah, with Rachel, with the servants. They all are Jacob's, but. Rachel considers Leah and herself to be two separate families, you know, and that, that's that's kind of an interesting thing that I, I haven't really noticed before um, until I read it this time that that she's looking at it and saying, like, you, for me, Jacob, you're not successful at this point because my family doesn't have children and I don't know you in the context of her family. That's not that's not the you that I know. This is also going to play out later on as we see, uh, because eventually Leah has some kids then Rachel's servant has kids. Then Leah's servant has kids. Then Rachel finally has some then, kids. Uh, well, then Leah has kids again. Yes. And then Rachel has two kids. She ends up with, with two boys, the oldest being Joseph. Now, we're going to see this play out later on as we hear the story of Joseph. When you go back and you see all of this going, you've got to remember the love that Jacob had uh, for Rachel. Mm-hmm. How that was the one that he worked 14 years to be able to marry her, to be able to to be with her. So the first child that they have together is extra special to him. And we're going to see that play out later on. And we're going to see how God's going to use that. But what's also interesting is as we talk about these lines, remember we've talked about certain ones and, and how they branch off and go and you don't hear about them anymore. Um we're going to see how mightily God uses Joseph, but Jesus's line doesn't come through through Rachel's firstborn. Right. It doesn't come through Jacob and Rachel. It comes through Jacob and Leah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's just interesting to see how God works. And, and a lot of times we attribute it to we attribute it to a person's goodness or to a person. But but God doesn't work the way that we work. He doesn't think the way that we think, and he never operates the way that we would operate. Uh, What happens isn't dependent upon us. It's truly dependent upon his goodness and his goodness alone. It's not us who change people. It's God who does. And we see God change Jacob. We see where where Jacob started, and we see as he goes through this and the things that he goes through, by the time we get to the end of this week, you're really going to see some changes in Jacob. Mm-hmm. Uh, he becomes more like that righteous person that we would think about when we're thinking of characters in the Old Testament. And yeah. so we we end up here. We've, we've got all this stuff happening between Leah and Rachel and having kids. And, and Rachel finally has Joseph. And before she has her second son, Jacob begins to, to get some, some standing to build some wealth. Uh, and he kind of does it a little bit like the ways that we would think that Jacob might get away with. And, and, and what's really interesting is we go through that. He builds the livestock and it deals with spotted livestock are going to be his and the ones that aren't. And he has a way where he, he's going he to make sure that the ones that breed are going to breed with his so that they're going to have. And, and so he goes through all of this. He leaves the weak ones to breed with Laban's livestock and... And so all of this grows, and then he gets to a point where he served all of his. He served seven years 
for Leah. He served seven years for Rachel, and then he served six years to earn this livestock. Mm -hmm. And now at the end of this time, he leaves. And he leaves in the middle of the night. He doesn't tell Laban he's going. He just up and goes. And Laban comes after him. And we see, remember, we, we kind of talked about this turnabout's fair player. The what you reap is what you'll sow. And so we've seen Jacob be a deceiver and then get deceived. We've seen Laban be a deceiver. And now he's going to come back and get deceived and realize there's nothing he can do about it. Right. That all of these years that he has had Jacob with him and working for him and he's benefited from that. He's changed his way. It's I think it says in here, he's changed his wages. I forget how many times, but a number of times. Well, from what I remember it saying is that, uh, he didn't change his wages like 10 times. Yeah. Like basically Jacob kept asking for a raise and he was like, yeah, what raise, you know, and he pa basically passed him over 10 times for that because yeah. he was taking for granted that he was just going to have Jacob around. Mm hmm. So when it comes up and he leaves, pretty by the time Jacob leaves, Jacob has most of he's got a, both he's got both of Laban's daughters and most of his flock and leaves Laban with with very little. Jacob takes all that and then Rachel takes his his idols. Yes. from inside his house, which I think is to be honest, that seems like the thing that he's the most upset about. Yeah. Cuz that's the first thing that he confronts Jacob about. Mm. Yeah, he was and and I don't know. Does it say why Rachel took those? Uh, it doesn't say why. I've read a couple of theories. One being that she thought that there was power in them. Um, one being that it may have been assumed that she would have a greater hold on inheritance because she had those. Uh, that she would have maybe a, a, a first right um, on the inheritance. But there's, I don't think there's any clear... Uh, it doesn't really a give a reason for it. So, but we know that we know that she takes them. We know that Laban pursues them, and on the way, God, we see God working. We see mm -hmm. God protecting. God, God comes to Laban and tells him, "Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad." And when he catches up to him, he tells him. And I still find that we still see. We still see a lack of faith on Jacob's part. Oh yeah, definitely. Because when it comes down to this, he, you know, he's still growing and we've talked about it, but it comes down to it and asks him, it's almost the same excuse that dad and granddad gave, Uh huh. which is why did you leave in the middle of the night? Well, I thought you'd take your daughters away from me. Yeah. Yeah. He, he and because I was afraid for, I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force and, and, and goes from there. And so we, we, <laughs> It kind of makes you wonder, you see, he's seen God do so much, and yet he still doubts. And I used to look at this, and, and we see that same, that same thing repeated through the whole Old Testament. You know, how could they doubt? We see them when they, you know, we're going to read about it when they leave Egypt during the Exodus, and they're being fed on manna, and they grumble, and they complain, and, you know, they've seen these great miracles, and you go, how could they do that? But then we have to look back and go, but don't we do the same thing? We've seen God do great things in our lives, and yet we still doubt Him. Mm -hmm. Or we still feel like we have to help Him along. You know, we see it with, uh, you know, we saw it, and it's passed down. You know, we saw that ha same thing happen with their mom. With, with uh, uh, see, too many names now. I'm Rebecca? Starting, uh, with Rebecca. Yeah. Where she had this, 
God told her that the younger was going to serve the older, and now Isaac's getting ready to bless the older one, and Rebecca knows what God said, and so she feels like she's got to orchestrate this, this backhanded deal to make sure God's promise comes through, and, and we'll do the same thing. We go, well, God said, and hold on to that, Well, we need to back off and go, you know, God's big enough to take care of himself. We don't have to help those promises along. We just need to obey with what he tells us to do. That's right. And we see that with Jacob. You know, Jacob's made, God's made this great promise to Jacob, and now he's fleeing in the middle of the night with all of this stuff, and he's afraid. Um, and the end of this chapter ends with, with a covenant between them. <laughs> Basically uh, saying, look, you schemed me, I schemed you. No, let's leave each other alone. Yeah. And Laban, and the very last verse is, Early in the morning Laban arose, kissed his sons and daughters, and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. And I think that's probably a good spot to, to kind of take a break from and end there. That was a lot of content. We get into some really interesting stuff in uh, chapters 32, 33, and kind of through the end, so... Uh, we encourage you to keep with it, to keep listening, um, and and if you have any questions, just you can always email us at what's the email? I think it, podcast at, at fullyequipped.church. Fully dot church. I have to remember dot church because if you have a uh, bookmark, it says it wrong. It says dot com because I did not proofread correctly. And so we'll remember that. And so God bless you, and we will see you next time. Yep, we'll, we'll be here on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Fully Equipped Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or Spotify, as well as www.fullyequipped.church. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at fullyequipped.church. Have a blessed day.